0: Welcome to When Pigs 5. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ali Martin.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey.
0: And today we are talking with Jacob Trevino, the owner and founder of Gorilla Cinema. And Gorilla Cinema is a bar and restaurant group that is creating truly immersive experiences within their establishment. So Gorilla Cinema, you may have been to some of these bars. Uh, Tokyo Kitty may ring a bell. My personal
1: favorite. Yep, (laughs) karaoke. Love singing singing on the karaoke.
0: And they will (laughs) drop the drink. Right down to you. They also, Guerrilla Cinema also owns Overlook Lodge, Tiki Tiki Bang Bang, which used to be Video Archive, Lo- uh, Lonely Pine, and Afferenda Tequila. So they have a, a, a breadth of different bars and restaurants under Guerrilla Cinema. But the key. To what Jacob has created is again his immersive experiences. And I still, I love to this day, I love talking about his immersive Christmas experience that they were able to evolve and adapt, which I'm sure we'll talk about during this podcast at the Overlook Lodge for Christmas time. Even video archive they, with movie nights. Oh, my gosh. The whole space is incredible. <laughs> I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to do that right now.
1: No, I'm super excited to have him on. I've been a fan of their work uh, and yeah. prepping for this interview. It made me actually think of a little piece of Cincinnati history. Mm. Allie, you may or may not have known, Cincinnati used to have like the longest like running streak of five-star restaurant awards for Mobile Travel Guide.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, it was that honor was bestowed on the Masonette, which unfortunately closed in two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah. But that level of service was white glove service. So speaking of experiences, people would go in and you basically didn't have to lift a finger. You know, you're practically it mm. was being fed by <laughs> fed by people. <laughs> but you know, it made me think, hey, they, there was an experiential aspect to that dining experience, but. Clearly, you know, Girl of cinema has taken experience of going out and eating to a whole nother level.
0: Eating and drinking, Jacob is such a visionary guy, and he's bringing an element, though, of storytelling. Mm. that you don't necessarily because he's a big movie buff and I'm sure he'll probably talk about this a little bit but he's a huge movie buff so bringing the element of story into a bar and a restaurant and experience is really fascinating to me and it's not only creating a wonderful cocktail or a wonderful meal it's also evolving a physical space and uh, he he's pretty top notch at that So
1: so let's bring him in
0: let's do it Okay, this is so great. Okay, Jacob, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. To give a little bit of context, because I'm sure that this is going to come up into conversation, because you just mentioned this. We are recording this at uh, eight o'clock on a Sunday, so it
2: is, uh, it's Sunday, not just any Sunday. The daylight saving Sunday. (laughs) So we've all had like an extra hour ish. Like the sun set like four hours ago. It's like the Arctic north outside. Like it might as well like we might as well be recording this like in a different Timeline altogether because this day doesn't really exist. And the Bengals
0: like, lost. No, we just got yes. yeah. We just got destroyed. You're drinking tequila. I'm drinking bourbon. We just yeah. ha- we're either crying in our sorrows from this Bengals loss. I don't know what it is, Patrick. You're gonna have to mediate this entire conversation.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but truly, no, 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 Jacob. Thank, we are so excited to have you on. You're. What you have been able to produce with Guerrilla Cinema, I think, is so unique to the city. And we've had the chance to talk about this even, what was this, two weeks ago at Alchemy Fest. And to give context, Alchemy Fest was a wonderful cocktail competition. And you had someone representing Tiki Tiki Bang Bang. And you have four or five bars within Guerrilla Cinema. But you are such a visionary of what you want to create in a space and creating experiences for people when they walk into a bar so i want to backtrack to the beginning of guerrilla cinema so let's kind of talk about how you decided to pursue this path and this career
2: sure i feel like everybody kind of knows the press story that we kind of tell is guerrilla cinema started as a creative experiences company and we used to throw these immersive pop-ups throughout the city where we would bring movies to life so Mm -hmm. we did Pulp Fiction and everyone would get a big kahuna slider when Sam Jackson took a bite (laughs) of the big kahuna slider. (laughs) We did Footloose where we invited um, a dance troupe to dance live in the audience every time there was a dance live on screen and then we uh, yeah we sent people on a Real life treasure hunt through Cincinnati and Newport when we showed the Goonies. Yeah. We've turned the pavilion at Washington <laughs> Park into the Uphouse. We <laughs> have brought the Sanderson sisters back to life with Hocus Pocus. It, oh. it started as really just our love of movies and how do we create unique experiences for people and how do we bring these stories off the screen to life. Since then, it's kind of evolved into bars and restaurants, and a lot of it. Has gotten away from other people's stories and kind of telling our own original stories, and mm. finding that next chapter of how do we make the world a little bit more magical and a little bit more surreal. So through uh, lots of different uh, experiences and Disney
1: World for adults, <laughs> yeah.
2: Disney World for adults, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, an escape. It, it, it truly is. Well, I think even more so. I think Disney World tries to uh, always push you with joy, and I think with with food and cocktails, no one's ever really explored some other emotions. And I think over the past year Mm. and some of the things that we've done and we can get into it, you know, we've Mm. explored some different types of emotions uh, that Mm. that people, you know, don't necessarily associate uh, with food and beverage. And for us, it's all about creating something new and unexpected. And we do that through our amazing catalog of bars and restaurants. Uh, Our first one just turned six years old. It was the Overlook Lodge which is based off Stephen King's The Shining. Our second bar just turned five. It started as the Video Archive, uh, which was a Tarantino speakeasy. Since COVID, we've changed it up. It is now called Tiki, Tiki, Bang, Bang. It's kind of a uh, Tarantiki you know, I am, such
0: a, I am such a funny story behind <laughs> this too, where because I live yeah. right down the street from Tiki Tiki now, Tiki Tiki Bang Bang once video archive. And I would drive home every day and I'd be like, I would stop at the light off of East McMillan and I would look over at, you know, this like video space. And I'm thinking, okay, this storefront is like, six like or like 12 by like 12 really small and I'm like what boob is putting in a video store <laughs> in 20, this, is
1: whatever year, year
0: this is? and then you know once you like officially launch come to find out you pull the the vhs and opens the door into a bar so, so yeah then.
2: I so that that was an amazing experience uh and then tokyo kitty Uh, which is our uh, Japanese-inspired karaoke bar. It also has some of America's first robotic servers. So we have robots that come down from the ceiling and serve you drinks.
1: That's why I love Uh,
2: it. Yeah, and that one was a little bit based off of the movie Lost in Translation. Then we started moving to more personal stories. So Lonely Pine Steakhouse, which is based off my roots in Texas, uh, which is a Texas-inspired steakhouse. We call it West Texas Meets Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. And then uh, La Ofrenda, which is our um, latest concept, which is Ohio's highest, largest selection of tequila and agave spirits. Uh, yes. So we have over 150 different styles and types for you to try and uh our newest concept which will open on november 26th did i get that right <laughs> <Black> <laughs> i got it
3: yes That's thanksgiving so yeah, yeah, like, it's but so close it. yeah.
2: yes uh november 26th is cosmic gorilla which is our first foray into retail. So it is a um, comic book shop uh, that will also have a bar lounge in the back of it. So it's an actual comic book shop. Everyone always asks me after everyone's the video store. That. No, after the video store, everyone's like, is it a real comic book shop? And I'm like, yes, it is 100%. Please come and please buy our comics. We need you to buy your comics there. Yeah, but it will also have a nice place for, like, the Comic-Con community to get together yeah. more than mm-hmm. once a year. I think we're, we're kind of in this weird pop culture world right now where everybody wants to talk about the latest thing that they've seen, and mm. the only place they get to talk about it is online. So why don't you give them a space where they can get together mm-hmm. and debate who's really faster, Superman or the Flash? The answer is Superman, like, but that's, that's another day. No, that is wrong. You don't have an option in (laughs) this. That is (laughs) wrong.
1: (laughs) Um, I guess, so how did you even get into, I guess, the experiential, I guess, industry, right? You said you're creating experiences rather than just, you know, food and entertainment. How did you get, you know, where you are today with what, you know, bars, Um, restaurants, retail? Yeah, so I
2: I, I grew up in Texas and I, uh, yeah, and I went to school in Austin and, and also in Austin, the early 2000s, there was this amazing movie theater called Alamo Draft House, where they would do these amazing movie nights. Mm-hmm. So not super experiential like we were doing, but very kitsch and niche. So they would show something like Repo Man and then Repo Man starring Cincinnati's own Emilio Estevez. Everything in there, they couldn't get product placement right. So everything in the movie, anytime they're in a store, it just says food or drink, like a, like a plain white package <laughs> with like a just a black Sharpie written on it. just says food. So it's kind of like an inside <laughs> yeah. joke of the movie. Oh, wrong. And so, yeah. yeah. And so when you ordered your cassette concessions mm-hmm. that night, they just had the popcorn. The popcorn was a white bag and on it just said food. And then like on your glass and just said drink. So we thought like, how do we take this to the next level? It was really based off that inspiration. And then I, I grew up as like a Disney kid too. Like I grew up going yeah. to, to Disney in the summers and then kind of forgot about it for a very long time. The Gorilla Cinema was already a thing before you started going kind of back to Disney, but then it's like, can, you called it earlier, it's Disney for adults, and can you do cool. it for adults? And again, Disney wants one, like, emotion from you, and that's joy, you know, and I think for us, hmm. uh, we want to see the different types of emotions we can explore with you um, while still serving you food and beverage.
1: So what are those other emotions? Yeah. Because for me, you know, when I'm eating and drinking, all I'm thinking is happiness. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and, and I, and I want to ask, and I want to add to that, right? Same question. What are the emotions, but what are the emotions that you've seen evolve over time from when you first started Guerrilla Cinema to now, because we just went through a pandemic? I think
2: that's w- what really, what really focused it was the pandemic for us to explore these other emotions before it was always trying to pull like a magic trick off and there's only one reaction to a magic trick. And it's like being like blown away and like inspired during COVID, you know, we kept innovating and doing different things. We said, okay, we have all these rules and restrictions and everyone, their solution seemed to be like put up shower curtains or throw tents up outside. And again, like it, it seemed to work for them. To me, we wanted to do something a little personal also, I was going through just as a business owner during that time so much like I felt like despair and like, mm, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of kind of being lost, which I'm sure a lot of business owners did. And just maybe yeah. a lot of us in general did. And I thought instead of leaning away from that, and making people escape, why don't we lean into that solitude? Why don't we lean into mm-hmm. that that kind of unknown? So we did. So we started doing these pop ups. There were like for 10 people at a time. Our first one was something called up in the woods. Uh, and Mm -hmm. up in the woods, we, we put out a call and I got as many Christmas trees as I could get. (laughs) And I had so many people reach out and be like, yeah, I'll let you borrow one. And finally, like 30 comments down, a guy in the comment section was like, okay, I'll be the one. What is this for? Why do you need, why do you need 40 Christmas trees in July? And what we ended up doing was we created the woods inside and um we're able to create some hyper realism to to cocktails and we basically told this story of this guy that goes out in the woods and kind of is some people have taken it as he goes in the woods to die um and some people are like oh it's somebody like on the cusp of divorce like we've gotten all these different dark. No, and again, it's not something that you typically get with food and beverage. Everybody wants you to be super happy and like, Mm. so for us, but we we Mm. kind of read the mood. And so everyone would come in. It was a pitch black room. You're surrounded by Christmas trees. Never had like a a lantern and like a flashlight to like guide Mm. them to their table. (laughs) No, and and again, like we we used a lot of like musical cues and things like that. Mm. And the music was soft and somber. And we, we played songs that talked about loneliness. We talked songs about wanting to be connected to other people, which is something that yeah. I feel like we all really felt during that time. And then we served you four cocktails and like four light bites and the room kind of came to life with projections and lighting mm-hmm. effects and mm-hmm. and different things to kind of tell the story as, as we went through it and people left you know, very emotionally impacted by it. And then we mm-hmm. kept doing them. So, so then we kept telling these other really small stories to mm-hmm. say, you know, sometimes the object of a bar that most people think is let's get a hundred people in here. Let's get 200 people in here. Yeah, And I think Gorilla Cinema in the last year, it's like, how do we create really amazing experiences for 10 people? And how do we get something out of them that is more than just, oh, we had some drinks and we had some nice food. It's like we saw a story, and man, that story like is something you that I'm going something. through. Yeah, or you felt something a little bit different.
0: So here's a question for you because I- I'm diverting, but it still is on the same theme of creating experiences, whether it's a ticketed event or whatever it might be. But there, what is your thought outside companies coming in and producing experiences like that because I saw that myself and you might have too of like you get like dining in the dark or whatever it might be and then there's these pop-ups some like which is what you did for a little while but there are other event companies that are coming into town trying to produce these things and when you go to these like I think what there was like an Alice in Wonderland one but it's night and day. From the production element, from what you're doing experientially to what these other companies are doing, do you have thoughts on that? You're gonna
2: make me spoil my Mister Rogers image by making me talk uh. bad about people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I think yeah. there's there's twofold that we that we feel like we're listening to them. Mm. Either you see somebody do something and for us, it either says like, man, like they raised the bar and and we got to keep going or some people bring an experience and falls flat. The only people that suffer in that fact is the audience, you know, the people that feel like they were duped into buying something that wasn't the real thing um, Mm -hmm. or the thing that they wanted in their mind. So that's a failure like on that company and creating that Mm. experience. I think for us, when we see something like, the Alice in Wonderland thing that didn't live up to the expectations. Somebody put me in touch with the person that designed that or mm-hmm. gave me their information. And I reached out to to the guy because he basically said like, listen, like they gave me this amount of budget and like, then they cut my budget and then we ran out of time we had to do this. Yeah. We had to do that. Yeah. And like, I wanted to hire him because I wanted to, yeah. I wanted because, because yeah. failure is an in- incredible, important part it's of doing learning. any, of doing any experience and I would much rather have somebody that failed on a large scale than somebody that like succeeds over and over and over again. I think, you know, at this point we've done so many unique events with Gorilla Cinema inside our bars as pop ups and things like that. Some of them are huge successes, but there's also a huge binder of failures. There's a huge, you know, gap of what people see and what people perceive as success. And then the reality of making that happen. I think if this goes for any of your listeners that want to get on top of events that have an idea, like, just go do it. It's not going to be perfect. It is actually going to probably be terrible. The first <laughs> dozen times you do it, you will um, fail.
0: No <laughs> one will show up.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, we've done tons of events where no one showed up. No, I'm going to yeah. tell you this, like, uh, I'll probably get in trouble for this. Uh, oh, no. like let's see no i don't so we're actually coming off of like kind of a little bit of a failure like this past week and it kind of like kicked me in the balls a little bit oh no so we I'd always try to pro- project wonder and so we had all these events last weekend for halloween because it felt like the first halloween back in like two yeah. years
3: yeah. and
2: and there was so a lot we, going on there was a lot going on and yeah. that was it is we tried to like stack events on events on events and 95% of them were amazing like we had the crowds that we mm-hmm. wanted we had everyone showing up the you know we had stories that we were telling you know one was like a love craft country thing at 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 uh tiki uh-huh. uh, with a with a pop up chef that was doing caribbean food it was really mm-hmm. fun we had parties to celebrate the six-year of Overlook anniversary. We had La Frenda's like first Latin night. We had, oh, nice. all, and we do a Love We that. did a New Orleans like voodoo party, like voodoo dinner with tangeray, and then. But I was leading up to Sunday because I wanted to do this one thing. I wanted to do <laughs> it for five years, and I built it up too much in my head. Is oh no. I've, no! Well, yeah. So I always want to do like a secret show. Like, oh my God, they got this person, X person, to like come in Mm. and play this small intimate show so we kept like teasing out at the the overlook on halloween was going to have this secret Uh performer secret performer we're only going to let so many people in we're only like you better show up early you better get there early because that's going to be the (laughs) surprise performer and we're like this is going to just crush because we got Jarrett reddick from bowling for soup to come
3: Oh and God. it was,
2: yes. <laughs> what? Like, what? And
1: Allie over <laughs> here and, is like,
2: what? And so, and so we open the door, and like, there's four people waiting outside. Oh, no. They're like, okay. Oh, right. did, your heart, Sorry, did, did your
0: heart just sink? <laughs> <laughs> so you,
2: you can see where it was going. It's like, we open the door. It's like an hour before he's going to go on. And his like, manager comes over and is like, hey, man, like, Ooh. probably only like 25 people.
0: And, like, I'm literally, like,
2: I, like, want to throw up. Like, I want oh. to, like, throw up so bad because I, I, I under, underestimated my audience and I held, I held yeah. it too close to my chest. And sometimes that's mm. what these experiences do, particularly like the Alice in Wonderland, is mm. they, they didn't show you what the experience was or the experience didn't live up to people's expectations in their mind because they saw one thing and got X thing. For the Bowling for Soup yeah. show, it was, absolute, it was the exact opposite. We had like forty people that ended up showing up, and they had the best time ever because Jarrett put on an amazing show. It was a private um, concert. Yeah, but but I mean, like, <laughs> but VIP that was of the VIP, yeah. It was yeah. it was super VIP, but it it, it fell short of my expectations because I wanted like a packed room, not necessarily for me, but for him because I know like the performers mm-hmm. feed off that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so what was his
0: reaction from him too? Was he
2: like- he he was he was a beyond gracious. As soon as he started playing, I started drinking, like, very heavily because I was, like, <laughs> like at, one, at one point I just looked over and I was, like, I'm going to throw up. Like, I'm going to throw up from, like, anxiety because, like, oh i I messed this up. And, again, you mess up and that's okay because then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, we celebrated Dio de los Muertos at La Ofrenda with a pop-up yeah. experience we called uh, Muertes Vida. And it was a small, intimate thing uh, where the whole room was lit by candles and we brought in, you know, a thousand dollars worth of flowers and props and things like that. And we cooked in front of people. We made intricate things and it was sold out. And everyone that went to that experience had an amazing, amazing time. And that's what it's about. It's Sunday night. We had bowling for soup and it didn't go so great and then Dust the next 3 days going. well that's so so what I said, it's like on the cincinnati so i think for for us is these companies that again when you fail this mark hopefully you listen to your audience and you do it better the next yeah. time but yeah like failure is an inherent part of of creating all of these experiences and even the most perfect ones we go back to the drawing board and say like how can we make it better the next time around and yeah and I hope these companies yeah. are doing that you know yeah, <laughs> readjusting yeah, so yeah. That, I- I- So the next time they come into town, yeah.
1: So while we're exploring negative emotions, um, what yeah. would you say is like your biggest failure to date? And what did you learn from it? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hold on. I got to take it. I take like big after big after big I, big I was
0: crying in my soup, <laughs> I had a bowl of tears. That's fine. Let's just get um, the negative
2: I'm, stuff out of there. Yeah, anyway. I'm actually, I'm actually going to do a,
1: a plug for
2: the bar and restaurant expo that I'm going to that nice. I will be speaking at this March. So the name of the talk is called The Anatomy of Failure. Uh, oh, and is, <laughs> yes, and it is about a bar that I owned that closed, that did not succeed, and and basically how how I could have gone and made it better, and and mm. basically going back through, and and you know bars don't close like overnight; they close yeah. on a slow, gradual thing. You, you miss certain points or you miss certain things that you should have seen in the beginning, on a long enough timeline, you can correct those things. Uh, for us, we ran into the wall that was COVID. So while we were on trend to fix it, it just yeah. couldn't, support, it couldn't support itself through COVID. So we, so we ended up having to close it. So, so that that's my biggest failure. It was a bar called Golden Sparrow. It was in Reading, Ohio. Wow. We tried to open something in the bridal district. Yeah, uh, and it just it, it didn't it work and it, it, yeah. yeah most people aren't I'm good at like covering it up <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, well, now, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: you're good at storytelling then <laughs> so what did you I guess what did you learn yeah. from that um, I learned
2: that don't do passion don't do projects that you're not absolutely passionate about mm. pre-COVID guerrilla Cinema was growing at a pace that I don't think was sustainable mm. and it wasn't sustainable not because we we're growing at such a fast rate it was and even now, we had 100 employees pre-COVID. And I would say a majority of them were people that had been with us two and three years. And so you're constantly trying to give those people trajectory to grow. And mm-hmm. so we thought that if we bought this bar in Reading and kind of rebranded and like bar rescued it a little bit, we could balance our books, That 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 as – salaries and, and back end and administrative things were going up and up and up that if we just got this bar and it made a few bucks, like, cool. We'll like be able to do it. We're like, it's in the bridal district. Reading has the nation's largest bridal district. People flying from around the country. We do, so do something cool. Random. Yeah. Like if we just do something that, that, that resonates with the brides, we will do fine. We did something that resonated with the brides and we did not do something that resonated well with the Residents of Reading, Ohio. <laughs> Again, a, a, on a long enough timeline, we would have figured out where where it it wasn't working, and you would be able to correct yeah. it. I think mm-hmm. it's one of like those you things said, COVID. that, yeah. And then COVID hit us like a steel truck, and we had already kind of bled, and so it's kind of one of those things where we got to have the opportunity to to walk away from it, pretty mm-hmm. unscathed as a company, to basically say like, yeah, we lost we lost hundred thousand dollars, but like that's like. Yeah. I, I hate that. Like that almost makes me sick. Like if I could go back yeah. to like 18 yeah. year old stuff, I'd be like, like back one, to bowling. <laughs> one, one day you will, you will lose. A hundred thousand dollars and no one will show up to a bowling pursuit concert that you throw. Like I'd be like, oh <laughs> god, like just stab me in the heart right now. <laughs> i like, get away from me, ghost of Christmas future. Get away.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe that's your pop-up for this year for, for the holidays. <laughs> Possibly, yes. yeah.
1: So how do you think that you're, you know, you've maintained, I guess, your successes then? Because most of the time the you know, restaurant, bar, you know, experience, industry, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not really a high success rate. What is it, like, two-thirds barely make it past, like, year three? Or I don't know what the statistic is. You probably know this better than me. But, you know, it's not a high success rate. So how do you think you've defied that?
2: If you ran every day for a year, would you consider yourself successful?
1: Yes. Yes, because I hate running.
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah, If, if, If you did something that you loved, absolutely loved and poured your heart into for three years, mm. would you consider yourself successful? Yeah. I think, I think there's a problem with the bar and restaurant industry that mm. we want every bar and restaurant to last for 100 years when really that's just not the case. I think mm. a lot of people get into the bar and restaurant industry and they overspend. They try to be like the flashing new thing. They try to be the greener grass than, than their competitors, mm-hmm. and they end up getting into a lot of trouble because your sustainability rate isn't that long. It's, it's, yes, people turn 21 every day, but people also age out of going to bars yeah three or four times and tra- and a week
3: trends, trends <laughs> and trends too. change
2: and trends change too and this is it i say that a bar that lasts three to five years like you're successful like you particularly mm. if you loved what you did like you're successful at it i think people measure the success of bars and restaurants is so skewed um mm. because you want them to be around 15 20 years and and sometimes it's just not mm-hmm. realistic and again i think if as long as everyone like walks away and like you don't dig yourself into mountains of debt yeah. to to make it come to life then if you're following your dreams and you're able to make it come true for a year like yeah. that's a success and 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 uh, but i think just there's so much negativity in the fact of you know people want a business to last forever and i think that's why you see gorilla cinema create so many new concepts It's Mm. golden sparrow we lasted there like seven months eight months like it just didn't work and we kind of saw the writing on the wall but like some of our bars they will close in the next five years and that will be okay
0: do you feel like you have to do that because your concepts you you incorporate a lot of that experiential almost again event element to it, which also probably has a higher overhead for you, right? Cause you're spending more upfront and, and maybe it's a little bit more theme driven. Is that, do you feel like that associates with you a little bit more too as a bar owner? Because you are, you are such a visionary in that sense that you base it off of so much off of storytelling. Um,
2: I think we know the stories we want to tell. We keep our budgets really tight you know, yeah. I think that's why we try not to chase other people when they're creating things. And that's something I have to remind myself of is there'll be a brand new bar that opens in the city and yeah. everyone will flock there and, you know, all the reviews and photos will come out and, I'll, and I will yeah. know the, the budget they spent. And, that, you know, there's that jealousy thing that was like, well, maybe if you spend more on the next one, people will like you more and they'll come yeah. back to you. It's like, no, I think for growth, mm. particularly the bars that we do have, It's once the experience is open, then you fill it with staff that want to continue telling the story and continue creating great experience within those walls. That once the doors are open and once that first six months has faded, do you have more that you can offer your guests or have they been to the experience, you know, once or twice and then that's it. That's why we rebranded video archive and the tiki tiki bang bang was we kind of told the story of video archive it was you know there's only so much taffy that we can pull out of the tarantino universe (laughs) and before
0: that's so cool that you see that though
2: yeah before what was happening was people would show up to the video archive they'd see the secret door open in the video Mm -hmm. store and then they come in and be like, isn't this cool? And then they take their friends and go leave to the other new bar. You know, so for us, it's about, oh, wow. yeah. So for, for us, it's about creating new things. And again, can we create new experiences within the space? And also, how do we do that economically? So when we talk about mm-hmm. something like Marteus Vita that we just did, you know, the overall budget for, for that experience is around $1,000. A lot wow. of it is fresh flowers. You know, fresh flowers are very expensive, but it brings in yeah. that smell and that creativity. And then knowing what you want to make out of it, too. I think yeah. so many companies, too, they don't know where they want to go. They, they, they just open mm-hmm. the doors and they exist just to exist when really mm-hmm. they need to be talking to their staff and saying, where do we want to go? Where do we want to go as a company this year? Where do we want to go next year? Mm-hmm. What stories do we want to tell? What experiences do we want to create? How yeah. are we going to create better cocktails next year than we did this year? And how are we going to create better experiences? And again, they don't need to be these $100,000, $2 million experiences, you can create a lot of things by just making it intimate and paying attention to your guests and giving your guests something they can't get anywhere else. I think that's why I love the Muerteus Vita is only six people at a time. And it was such an intimate experience when we did projection mapping and music. And then the most poignant thing, though, that we did throughout the whole thing was at the end of the thing, you know, we've got our ofrenda. That, um, my grandparents were from Mexico. My, my dad's Mexican. Mm-hmm. I'm Mexican. Was not everyone is familiar with, like, an ofrenda. And I just gave everyone a flower, and I said, I want you to think of someone special, and I want you to be grateful for that person in your life, and I want mm-hmm. you to think of that person and go place this flower on the ofrenda. And, again, just that small act of them getting up from the table and placing a the the flower on the ofrenda it's about telling Mm -hmm. that story it's about i want you to be as grateful for this experience as i am to give it to you and Mm -hmm. you can do that in small small doses
0: do you feel like you also because of the super small uh the intimacy right of that space of what you just described do you feel like that's also an aftermath of what you've realized, what the pandemic brought, especially with the Overlook Lodge from the holidays. I would love to kind of talk about how you decided to pivot with the Overlook, because that was one of the first, like during the pandemic, where I saw that you guys decked out for Christmas time and (laughs) people were going crazy for it, but you restructured how you brought people into the bar and how that, now how that changes your mindset as you continue to grow your bars and your experiences and your restaurants. I
2: think that that is probably the future of bars and restaurants. Um, And when you say that,
0: uh, just explain what that is, too.
2: Smaller, more intimate experiences. How do we curate something that's specifically for you that, Mm -hmm. again, that we're giving you our undivided attention, that it's an experience you can't get anywhere else? Because you are
0: having people reserving spots like putting yourself back into the pandemic you couldn't just you you could go to a bar and hope that you get a seat but there was no guaranteed but you decided online to say you could have x like two to however many people but this is your time slot
2: yeah uh i think that we we still kind of lean into that with with our experiences and we're going back to that again because it provides a better experience so Mm -hmm. for what she's kind of talking about is For the past five years, we've done something at the Overlook Lodge called Miracle, this uh, collaboration that we have with a a beverageware company called Cocktail Kingdom. So they make glassware. So they make these amazing Christmas glasses. So in order to kind of showcase their glassware and be kind of a pop-up shop for their glassware, we create this immersive Christmas holiday experience. For the four years pre-COVID, we would have like a line down the street. It would be an yeah. hour and a half wait to get in the bar because it's like Christmas exploded in the bar. I mean, yeah. every was, single surface that you can it's touch. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a uh, you know ten thousand feet of light in a thousand foot space. Gingerbread houses that you can sit in, like all kinds of things. And so we have been doing that pre-COVID, and we knew that if we tried to do it the way that we had always done it, um, yeah. which is okay, let's see how packed we can make this bar. Let's you, see, you, couldn't. you know, you, we couldn't, one, because we had the restrictions of, of, of six feet of distance. Two, we knew that that wasn't going to give people a good experience. And also mm-hmm. it probably wasn't going to look very good to have like a line of people down the street yeah. like <laughs> getting into a bar.
0: You're going to get flagged real quick. <laughs>
2: so we do want to have people waiting down the street. So we came up with this idea to do a reservation system. And the reservation system would then get you two drinks. And we kind of put on this Christmas show. So it would be all these different Christmas clips from your favorite holiday shows. Yeah. So you get your Rudolph, you get your It's a Wonderful Life. And then at the end of every hour, uh, we would make it snow inside the bar to Mariah Carey's All I Want.
0: And everyone person. just <laughs> know, loses the their mind. <laughs> and everyone
2: loses their mind. But at the at the end of it, everyone felt like they had a complete experience. Yeah. You know, going mm-hmm. back to talking about some of the other pop-up companies is we always want to give you that moment at the end of the experience that says, yeah. like, this feels complete. Like, I got something. Like, I yeah. feel like closure and I can get up and leave.
0: That's actually such a good point. That closure feeling of like, this is the end of the narrative for the night.
2: Yeah. So it was a huge hit with our guests, even though it was only 26 people at a time, people Mm. had a much better experience than us jamming them into the bar. So Mm. then it became a quality of a quantity It was controlled. It was more relaxed. People just seemed to be in a better mood. You know, you have to talk about this as December of 2020 when the whole world was really falling apart. And I think people wanted that experience. And people were looking for magic. People were looking Mm -hmm. for something to do. And if you could make them feel safe, if you could make them feel special for even an hour, I think there was a lot of emotion like in that room That people really, and we had people that would like buy a ticket and then come back again and buy more tickets and bring their friends. And then we had people that bought came through three or four times to see the experience throughout the season. And for us, we said, you know, this is better. Than trying to see how many dollars can we wrangle out of people during the holidays mm-hmm. by creating a long line and packing them in is to say, no, let's give people something special. And I think you, when you talk about like, the mm-hmm. success of like, how do you last forever, like, I think that's really mm-hmm. how you last forever is, again, by doing special things for your guests and making sure that your focus is always on that. And I think over over the years we have become a part of people's holiday tradition in Cincinnati. Is mm-hmm. there's was well, it Festival of the Lights?
3: Yeah. There yeah, is do. the
2: ice rink on Fountain Square. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Yep. And then and then hopefully there's Miracle at the Overlook Lodge. Yeah. And we're adding a new experience this year, um, because we know that there's the people out there that will never buy tickets. That will yeah. like be like, I yeah. don't understand tickets. What do you mean I can't, like, just Show stop up. into a bar and have a drink? Like, yeah, I don't get it. You this. beat me to my question
0: so, of who is your audience.
2: Yeah. So um, over at Tiki Tiki Bang Bang, we're creating a separate experience called Sippin' Santa. Ooh. And the story is Santa crash lands on the island, <laughs> and all of his <laughs> magical toys pop out of the boxes and create this winter wonderland on this desert island. That one will be popping. You'll be able to just walk in and cool. walk up. And then that way, hopefully people that don't want to plan ahead still have the option to get that holiday magic. Um, but we have so much fun doing Miracle that we knew that now that things are getting back mm-hmm. to hopefully normal, that we can create a separate holiday experience and, and keep keep the holiday magic growing.
1: So what else have you learned, I guess, from the pandemic besides, you know, doing these smaller, more intimate experiences and you kind of said this smaller more intimate experiences are kind of where the industry is going. You know, what else have you learned that you foresee the industry continuing to do post pandemic? Um,
2: that's a really interesting question. I I wrote this thing during the height of the pandemic that was like this very Nostradamusy. Like <laughs> it's the summer of it's the summer of twenty twenty one, and this is where all your bars are going to be. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of those predictions came true. Like, mm. yeah, like I nailed it, um, because mostly things aren't going to change very much. Mm. Um, I think for as much as people are going to try to lean on experience. As you can see with the labor market right now, like your local bars and restaurants are having a hard time hiring people. Our big thing that we we were doing pre-pandemic that we're still doing now is investing in our people, making sure that people find the bar and restaurant industry attractive And I think the way that you do that is by providing creative outlets and providing stable wages for your staff. Yeah. So it is not, I came in and I worked for five bucks and I made 20 bucks worth of tips. How am I going to pay my rent? I think if you can provide stability to your staff, you can provide good experience. And then from there, you get to be creative in that order.
0: Are you paying like a low minimum 3 $5, like you see... Has, no. <laughs> has, okay, yeah. Just making
2: sure. No. So yeah. So we do something um, that is a little bit new. There's an article that just came out that I wrote. It is about wage stability. Mm-hmm. We do something that we call an employee threshold equation. So we take the median income of Cincinnati and basically say no one will make below this median income. What
0: is the median? And the income? way that you it, are you? It, it's
2: about thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, so so that no one will make less than $30,000 yep. if they work for me. Yeah. The way that we do that is through tips, but then we bonus out. So $30,000 in 30,000 a year works out to about $600 in tips per week. Mm. So if a bartender only makes 400 in a week, I then bonus them the 200. Mm. If a bartender makes 700 in a week, we're we're fine. We're we're you know, no money is exchanged like they're just good. So I am bonusing out when the market is falling short so that at the end of the year, my bartenders all know, I don't know where the top is, but I at least know where the bottom is. I know that mm-hmm. I'm not making less than 30000 a year. Yeah. And then we provide health care and PTO and things like that as well. So for, for us, it's about really, really stable, stabilizing, stabilizing those wages.
1: So do you think the reason for the labor issues that we have right now is lack of wages, lack of benefits?
2: Uh, so, so I, so I call myself Dostradamus. That's the one yeah. thing I can't see. That is such a complicated question, and that's a question for probably— It sounds like what you're
1: kind of hedging the on with what you're doing with your company.
2: I don't even think it's hedging. I think it's the right thing. I think mm. when we got shook by COVID, so many of us got plunged into the unknown, myself included— that it you know, and also our employees had to go to unemployment, mm. and unemployment said you make five dollars a month or you make five dollars an hour. Like here's one hundred and fifty bucks to live on on unemployment. So mm. we said like if this ever were to happen again, how can we provide documentation mm. to say like no, our, all of our people make a salary basically. You need to pay them a decent amount or so that this ever happens again, hopefully they have savings and they have built up and they're not living. So paycheck to paycheck and they can build and have dreams and things like that. I think for the labor shortage, the hospitality industry was the hardest hit. Mm -hmm. A lot of those people were the first to let go and were the last to be brought back. Mm -hmm. Everyone else got to work from home. Everyone else, you can't really serve a bar from home. A lot of people got out because they are afraid of their health risks. Also, people just age out of the bar and restaurant industry. People mm-hmm. view it as transitionary work, as that they are working towards something mm-hmm. while they're in school or working towards something while they're doing this. I mm-hmm. know yeah. a lot of my ex-employees became real estate agents. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, perfect Good timing. Thing and, is gone. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But growing up, for me, the, the most attractive job you could have was being a bartender. It was sexy. It was fun. Yeah. And I think we have to figure out how to make it – fun again mm-hmm. and you have to find the next generation we lost a generation of people that would be interested in this type of work mm-hmm. and that's okay we have to make sure that the next generation that they're coming in are not going to have to deal with the the things that the p- previous generation had to deal with and hopefully make the industry way more attractive and more sustainable. In the short term, what that means is, yeah, your local restaurant is going to close maybe on weird days. They're not going to have the staff that they need. You're going to have to wait longer for your food. Mm-hmm. Prices are probably going to go up. Over the long term, though, I see that the people that are good to their employees and are able to sustain are going to make it. You'll also see this probably like race to the bottom, too, where your craft, you know, everyone wanted to open a craft cocktail bar. I see it more swinging towards the reopening of the dive bar. Ooh, There's more people will do that. Because you don't have to pay those people very well, at least in their mind. You you know, somebody that just pops open beers and isn't creating things, you think, okay, well, I can pay them $5. I don't think that. I think all people should make a living wage. But I think... That those are the bars that you're seeing be very successful right now are bars with very little frills yeah. um, because no there, there's this there's this yeah, yeah there's no overhead yeah. so everything in the the bar and restaurant mm-hmm. industry is cyclical yeah yeah i think that probably in the next three or four years you'll have people that will run to the end of their lease mm-hmm. and yeah. be like I, i'm tired of doing this i'm gonna get out even for us we see a future that is probably larger than the bar and restaurant industry. We, we want to appeal to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you're going to see from of Cinema in the next few years is we have been very focused on bars and we've been mm-hmm. very focused on restaurants and high end stuff. I think we want to bring that kind of high end level, but we want to do it bigger and for families. So I think the next few things that you come, that come out of the of Cinema universe may be a little bit more um, experiential. But I think you're going to see us widen, widen the tent and widen the audience and try to go after. Um,
3: what do you mean I, by that? Somebody, I, I laughed
2: well, at somebody the other day because I was like, it, it means I want to get you cradle to grave. It means I want to get you where I am. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it
2: means it, and, and, but again, like when we look at Cosmic Gorilla and we look at Simley Market, you know, there's nothing down there for families. It's um,
1: going to be a funeral home. You can- per- <laughs> yeah,
2: Girl exactly.
3: The cinema funeral
0: <laughs> Could
2: you imagine an experiential oh. funeral? No. Like, let us no. bring... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I experienced that in college.
0: There was a funeral house that was changed into a party house, so I can give you some tips on that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, think, I think for us, our big thing is, uh, again, realizing that you don't have to just serve alcohol mm-hmm. um, to create experience. So is
0: that the future of bars and restaurants in general or is that just for Gorilla Cinema, you think?
2: No, that's Gorilla Cinema's future. Yeah. I think that's 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 something that's that's up our sleeves. Yeah. So I think I think Cosmic Gorilla marks the first step into a schema where we're doing mm-hmm. experiential retail, mm-hmm. which really hasn't existed in the city and particularly in the comic book era. Like, every comic book shop uh, in this country looks very similar. Mm -hmm. I know this because we went to, like, over, like, 40 comic book shops across the country doing research for this. Is They're all, like, white boxes, fluorescent lighting. These are the most exciting stories that, like, of our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. The experience of shopping for them should be fun and experiential, Mm -hmm. too. It shouldn't just be come in here's a white box dig for the comic you want it should be like hey here here let's bring these ideas off the stage uh, off the off the book and put them in the back and and again you can have the drink to go along mm. with your comic you can have the snack to mm-hmm. go along with your comic you can have all the things that kind of bring the story to life more so than just let me take this book home and read it and man, I wish I had somebody to talk to about this awesome book yeah. I just read. Where do
1: you come up with these ideas? And then how do you just like take something from idea to reality? We have a, an
2: amazing group of creative people. And sometimes we follow other people's ideas. And sometimes we follow their leadership. And then, yeah, some of the people that have worked for our company, they are part owners in the bars as well yeah. um, because we follow their thing. You know, we have the experience and the know-how and the marketing and all the bells and whistles that go along with opening a business but you know i can't be everywhere at once so we have to find people that are as passionate as i am about their ideas mm-hmm. and then put them in leadership positions so that they can help run the business and they can push the the bar forward. So for for us it is yeah, and I but I think that's also what gets a lot of the people that work for me up every day Mm -hmm. is knowing that we're going to go off and who knows what we're gonna create. It's also I feel bad when people are just like, oh I like I gotta go create another bar. (laughs) Like it's like, yeah, well who like we 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 we're opening a comic book shop. It has a bar element to it, but we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We have so many stories that are up on the wall that we have already written that just need to get pulled down. Mm. And really, it's about time and it's about money. It's about really, really creating that experience. So
0: what makes... This is like. Back I feel to like the,
2: if you're at home drinking along to this podcast, anytime I've said experience, <laughs> is, you take a drink. Like <laughs> silently, like it's like a
0: like like buzzword. Do you of the feel day. The, the, the snowflakes falling on your face while Mariah Carey <laughs> singing to you right now? Because you should take a drink, <laughs> sip on that. So this is like going back to the basics of like what creates. A successful launch of a bar like right you you have this idea you're building it out and November 26th is right around the corner what do you do how as a bar owner do you make it successful how do you make it a hit
2: you make it a hit by hiring the right people um, by making sure your staff believes in what you're doing
0: how do you hire the right people when it's hard to find people?
2: Um, for us, it's finding people that want to be a part of the story.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I did an interview with somebody this past week, and even though they didn't come work for me, I could see the, I could see the conflict in their eyes. Mm. So it was this person we interviewed to be a bar manager for Cosmic Girl, and we're on like their, their third interview, and yeah. they basically say, like, oh, I, I, got, this, I got this job offer you know, and they told me the amount of money they were getting paid. I was like, uh, you, <laughs> do, "You do realize, like, no, I yeah. do." I was like, "You do realize this is like a comic book shop, right? Yeah. Like, this is like yeah, God, yeah. this is not a hotel." I was like, "Listen, I can't compete with that dollar yeah. amount, but I can compete with. I can tell you, you're going to come to work every day." knowing that I'll listen to your ideas, know that I will help you create the experiences that you want to create with inside the space. And hopefully it won't yeah. be too stressful. It's always a little stressful. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that we're going to create something that we're both proud of and you won't feel like you were exploited for it. Yeah. I think anybody will show up and work for a paycheck. I think it's very hard to find people that will, will come and work and, and be yeah. part of the creative experience. So that's what we really look for. And the conflict with this person was, I know that they want it. They even, they told me this. They're like, I just want to get my foot in the door with you. And I know yeah. that this is the way for me to get my foot in the door. Cause I know that if we start here, we can go do other things. I said, yeah, man, like this, you know, if you're in the industry long enough, like there's probably gonna be another chance for you to get your foot in the door with mm-hmm. me, even though like that's, it sounds so weird. Is like, I feel like, all we do at Gorilla Cinema is really just create opportunity for people to come and, again, explore what they would do and how they would create things in our space. Mm. Sometimes like the best ideas are, are definitely not my ideas. My staff has come up with amazing events and amazing creative things. I think that's the biggest thing where we haven't really struggled in finding people to come work for us is we have always provided more education. We have always taken our staff to go see the world, so mm. travel is a big part of Gorilla Simbo. Cool. So that's we take cool. our staff to go see things that inspire us, so that we can create better things. And I think some things, you know, money can't buy. And I, mm. and, and hopefully, like hopefully, I didn't come off like it's too like <laughs> tone's like so I don't cheesy. No, but
1: that's no, it's, exactly. it's, no, like, it's like, real. It's yeah, real. Like,
2: oh. Yeah, like yeah.
1: I guess like one question I had is, you know, what are you most proud of so far?
2: I'm very proud that we're still here. Yeah. I'm very proud that we didn't give up. I'm very proud that I have been able for the past seven years to bring the ideas in my head to life Mm -hmm. and actually go and touch them and see the smiles on people's faces. And I'm very proud of the work that my team has done to do that. I'm very proud that we have had the same team at a lot of the places for the time that they've been open. And I'm very proud of the new people that we brought on and the experiences that they've created. And this sounds like bullshit and it's not no, like, it, it sounds like I can thing is I'm very proud that, that we have never compromised in our values and have never chased things that didn't create amazing experiences for people mm. that, that it, it was never about let's go do this because it'll be popular. That's what I'm proud of. And I'm, I'm yeah. proud of whatever we're going to go work on next. Mm. That, that's the thing that I'm proud of is that we still get the opportunity, mostly because I hope that we never run out of ideas. And I hope mm. that when we start to, then we've got that next generation of guerrilla cinema creatives that we can invest in, that we can start telling their stories. And I can be more the producer of the movie instead of the director.
0: Mm. Oh, my gosh. I love it. so. I, I what's your favorite movie?
2: My favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, really? no
0: way. Wait. <laughs> oh, what? I love that. Wait, why? I have to ask why.
2: Because everybody wants their life to mean something. And I think okay. it shows that no matter what you do in your life, all the people that you can touch and how many people rely on you. And I think it, particularly after having a bad year or something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll watch mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life and I'll feel okay about the decisions we've made because of all the friends and mm-hmm. family and and people that, that truly have supported me. And again, sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to, but as long as you have friends and people that you can count on, like no man is for who has friends.
0: Oh my on that, Jacob Trevino, I know that you have you have made an impact on this city just by saying yes. that. too. So I guess
1: my last question, Ali and Jacob. Yes. Jacob, you made it like Ali said. You made an impact on the city. What do you think the city can be doing better in order to support entrepreneurs like yourself?
2: I think there needs to be more capital for startups. I think there needs to be more incubation tanks. Mm -hmm. for food and restaurant to have more blank space for people to come in for a month or two to try out their idea before they go and jump in Mm -hmm. and spend $300 and beg for savings. I think there needs to be more vocational education. I know that's something that Mm -hmm. we as uh, entrepreneurs, you know, we're extremely busy, but that's something that I wish I could contribute more is let me teach you how to bartend and I don't even care if you work for me, just here's a skill, like now you can go do this Mm -hmm. anywhere. Yeah, I think that sort of, motivation incentive uh can fuel mm-hmm. things and i think the biggest thing is again i'm so glad to be on this podcast i'm so fortunate oh. that you guys want to talk to me yeah. but i'm hoping that that there's somebody else that's behind me i hope there's somebody chasing me down it's like i'm gonna take you down old man <laughs> like, you know, like i'm coming for you yeah and then i hope that the, the story of cincinnati keeps changing. That. and mm. That me and the people that have influenced the city and influenced the bar and restaurant industry, that we are just stepping stones for something that is greater and better behind us. Wow. Like that should be like the, the big contribution to the city is that hopefully the city can continue to foster its voices and it's smaller voices, um, and, and, push them forward and make it, uh, make it able for them to tell their stories.
0: Mm, I love that. And well, on that note, Jacob, can you tell everyone where they can find more information about Gorilla Cinema, more information about you? I would love to. I would and love to. all of so, your upcoming so, excursions.
2: <laughs> so, uh, you can go to first, GorillaCinemaPresents.com. You can find all the bars and restaurants there uh, on the website. You can follow me personally on my Instagram. Jake should Instagram follow along with that. Um, I'm a huge Disney fanatic, and then uh, you can go to ThatShiningBar.com mm. for miracle reservations. And then follow, follow uh, Tiki Tiki Speakeasy uh, on Instagram for uh, updates on Sip Santa which will open the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the 24th. So no reservations needed for Tiki Tiki Bang Bang. Uh, Again, reservations available at thatshiningbar.com for uh, Miracle at the Overlook Lodge. And then finally, a big announcement. You guys are hearing every announcement to anybody. Uh, Cosmic Gorilla will open on November 6th with Cincinnati's own Travis McElroy uh, from My Brother, My Brother and Me doing uh, in-store signing for free from noon to 3 p.m. at Cosmic Gorilla. So you can come and get your book signed, um, well, get your comic well, book well, signed. We'll, we'll, well have well, some of well, get your headshot well, signed. Yeah, so Travis has so been really, really cool to work with. He's a huge supporter of the Cincinnati Ballet. So if you if you find a way to support the arts here in the city, uh-uh. uh, that's the way to do it. But yes, you can uh, follow that along at GorillaVerse on Instagram uh, to find Cog. Cosmic Gorilla, and we're we're excited to um, bring that to you on November 26th. Oh
0: my gosh! Again,
2: come come see me America. Miracle. Come see me, Jacob. You are You are such a
0: light in this city, and we really, really, seriously, we appreciate you taking the time. Your experiences of what you're producing with Gorilla Cinema is so fun, and really look forward to the holidays and listening to some Mariah yes. Carey and having some snowflakes falling on our yep. head. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: like here we go i
1: don't want
2: to laugh for christmas okay on this note guys <laughs> i think it's
0: taking <laughs> <Take> it away <laughs> i don't care about, about the, the present underneath the christmas, underneath the christmas i christmas hope our sound dream. already you know, engineer,
3: you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh see you uh, during the holidays yeah. thank you Who's ready for a cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh, I, I had so many more questions that I wanted to ask. I know, we're going to gonna have to have him come back. I, I love that, selfishly, love that he has, uh, like, wonder. It's a Wonderful Life is his favorite movie. Mm. That's an emotional trigger for me, too, because I absolutely love, love, love that movie. It's so dynamic. It's long, but it's totally worth watching. But it, he is such a great person, to give insight in regards to the industry, not only in Cincinnati, but I think just in any city because of how much he hmm. his attention to detail and him being so visionary and him being able to execute execute that vision because of how many details are involved. A lot of people should be taking notes from him. I loved that final thought that he had about what can we do better and Incubation tanks, I think, are extremely mm-hmm. interesting. Incubation tanks, incubation kitchens, whatever it might be, to get people to want to work in places like, and work with companies like Gorilla Cinema, that you are able to build a skill set to get to the level to create an experience that is through the roof mm. for a place like Tiki-Dee Bang Bang or wherever yeah. it might be.
1: Definitely has created an experience company not a you know restaurant bar retail company yeah. by any means you know this is something that i think you see out in vegas you see this and as we mentioned disney world for adults you know Mm -hmm. this is something that you see where experiences during you know dining drinking or just in general those are the companies you think of (laughs) you know but not cincinnati and you know the fact that we have this in our backyard makes me excited for the city about what is to come and you know i think jacob has his site set on building that next generation of people to do something similar, right? He brought up the point, like a lot of people that work for him are part owners in some of these concepts and are coming Mm -hmm. up with these concepts. So he's really trying to foster and grow that talent here. And so I'm excited for what's to come.
0: But he also sounds like, which I agree with again, it goes back to these, the the incubation idea of he wants someone to also challenge him. So having gorilla cinema is great, but who's going to be the next person to also come in and, and, Push his creativity. Hmm. That's not a part of guerrilla cinema. Well, maybe someone
1: right? from guerrilla cinema is gonna, you know, spend something out and start their own thing.
0: Ooh, planting seeds. Ooh.
1: Hey, um, hey, no. hey! Any, anyone but that's in guerrilla cinema? But that does.
0: But that, <laughs> that it, it, you say that. But that's kind of how that starts, right? So, mm-hmm. but it's it it it's going back to what you said. It's fostering a city and an environment that the city appreciates what he is building and what he's growing which then hopefully inspires other people to branch out and if they have their own ideas to put their own spin on it and so then it challenges there's a little bit of that like competitiveness which is healthy Mm -hmm. because that that will also keep him on his toes but also keep him creative and Mm -hmm. constantly exploring so I attest to his experiences in terms of what he does with the holidays and and everything because living right down the street from You know, Tiki Tiki Bang Bang used to be Video Archive. He, They really do a tremendous job.
1: I think he is hyper self-aware. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. You know, he even mentioned, you know, his wife is his, you know, kind of sounding board. And he pitches these ideas to his wife to get feedback. I think that's like a nugget, rule of thumb that any entrepreneur can do. Go talk to your mom, dad, or, you know, siblings, friends. If you can't tell them and explain what you're doing – What, like, what even are you doing? Right? Like, you probably shouldn't be doing it if you can't explain it, you know, on a fourth grade level. Right. So, I think that was some just real, like, little thing that's something everybody can do. And he clearly knows what he wants to do next. And so, I'm excited for that.
0: Next, but also uh, the integrity of what he's producing and Mm. treating his employees with respect. And I think. What he does in terms of making sure that, hey, if you're working for me, you will be guaranteed at least this salary at the end of the day mm-hmm. and at the end of the year. Of course, it's it's not going to be working because the, the the bar and restaurant industry is tough and it might not be $100,000 a year, but mm-hmm. it still gives someone a living wage to be able to you know, keep the lights on, but hopefully still grow themselves. And I think more people in the industry should have that mindset of Mm -hmm. you, you want people who care about the product and customer service and and learning and curiosity and people and being able to give people that mindset and that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a safety net there of, Hey, if you don't hit your tips this week, we're still going to compensate you appropriately.
1: I love that he does that. I guess just my one, I guess, caution for that and going in, all in on that again, it goes back to the mm-hmm. mom and pop shops. We got to, you know, I personally do not want to go back to the times of the 90s chain restaurants, but... <laughs> hey, DJ uh, good to me, so... <laughs> but, you know, I personally love, you know, these little, you know, craft cocktail bars and craft, you know, restaurants, whatever you want to call them, right? So I think... How do? Where's the happy medium, right? Where you're still taking care of the people and yeah. still being able to run the business effectively. And I think. making
0: sure people are excited to still want to work mm-hmm. with you. And I think he's, but he also brings a level of creativity mm-hmm. that you don't see in a lot of other yep. bars and restaurants. Again, it's not just a classic craft cocktail spot. Mm-hmm. It's immersive. So he's not. He it's experiential. But then that also means as an owner, mm-hmm. you're not just. Behind a bar making a Manhattan, you are building out an event within your space, and <laughs> that's to me what sets them apart.
1: Yes, I think that truly does set them apart. And I you know, again, I keep saying this, I'm excited for where they go next. On that note, Ali.
0: No, where do they find us? Oh, they've got to find
1: us. Oh, yes.
0: Come on! You act like we've never done this before.
1: (laughs) If you want to find us, go check out whenpigsfly.fm. That is our website. You can find all our episodes there, and you can download them from wherever you download your podcasts. If you want to go on Apple Podcasts, please go give us a... You five-star rating um, and a review. <laughs> like, subscribe. <laughs> like, subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to Spotify. And then, you know, Allie, what's the most important thing that they need to do?
0: Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Tell a cousin. Tell a stepsister, sibling, whoever tell it is. If, if you like this podcast, <laughs> word of mouth. Uh, is very helpful for us. So please tell a friend.
1: On that note, Allie. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. We need a cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the E.W. Scripps company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: We also want to give a shout-out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.